Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and hashtag King Triton did nothing wrong. Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. Look how they massacred my boy. Flounder! <laughs> <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. Uh, I wasn't sure we should review this movie, and then I realized that I want to be where the people are. <laughs> Those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing The Little Mermaid, the newest live-action question mark remake of a Disney animated classic. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Find us on uh, YouTube and Twitter and Instagram at thefilmcastpod. Find us on TikTok at thefilmcast. Uh, and if you want to support this podcast, patreon.com slash filmpodcast, how you, how you do that. I want to mention that if you are a patron, you are getting this episode significantly early. Uh, we are recording this episode before the Memorial Day weekend. Uh, and so that's also important for you to know, because if something major happens in the film world <laughs> during Memorial Day weekend and we don't talk about it, it's not just because we're oblivious. That is merely one yeah. of the reasons why we're not talking. About right. It, right. Yeah. We're um, also oblivious. Exactly right. But uh, <laughs> yes, if you're a patron at patreon.com slash film podcast, you're getting this episode early. And if our calculations and plans come true. Uh, next week's episode reviewing Across the Spider-Verse will also be delivered early for patrons. So uh, hopefully that all works out. But a huge thanks to our patrons for making this episode possible. Of course, if you're listening on the main free feed, it's still the same show. It's just significantly later. And today we got a bunch of film news stuff, a bunch of stuff from the world of streaming to deliver to you. Uh, some what we've been watching, some weekly plugs, and of course, our main review. Uh, one other thing I want to mention about the Patreon, patreon.com slash film podcast, our After Dark next week we'll be discussing Barry and Succession, two of the greatest television shows of our era that are coming to an end this weekend. Or I, I guess by the time many of you are listening to this, uh, that just came to an end. Um, uh, that will be our main topics for the After Dark on next week's episode. And of course, you can always access that at patreon.com slash film podcast. It's, it's wild that they're both coming to an end, not just seasonally, but yeah, the series is series, both series are coming series to an end. Series finales, yeah. So we'll be doing full spoiler casts uh, on the After Dark uh this week so let's talk about some of the big film news that's going on guys and the biggest thing that's going on uh from my perspective is netflix's password share apocalypse has finally arrived <laughs> we've known for a while now that netflix is going to stop password sharing between uh like within family accounts uh especially if the family person like if your family members or your friends live in different locations Netflix will force them to sign up for a new account. And we got all the details of that this week. And I just want to say on a personal level, I had to spend 15 minutes explaining to my dad <laughs> why he needed to get a new Netflix account. <laughs> so thanks, Netflix. Really, uh, really appreciate that. But no, really, I mean... He really wanted that in-depth explanation, huh? Well, uh, so yes, Netflix has sent out the emails. Have you guys gotten the email from Netflix? I don't know. No. Ignore those. I should I should check. Yeah, so my, my wife's grandmother is on our account, so now I don't know what's gonna happen. Right. Yeah. So Netflix sent out an email, subject line, an update on sharing between households. And it says your Netflix account is for you and the people you live with. Your household. <laughs> you can easily watch Netflix on the go when you travel. Uh but then it explains like, hey, if you want to share Netflix with someone outside your household, you can use these features, you can transfer a profile, or you can buy an extra member. That's how you. That's how you. You do it now. Now, uh, I had to look at what an extra member was, 
And I have to say, uh, so you know, we have said on this podcast, mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. fully support uh, people paying for the stuff that they're consuming. Like, yeah, yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. if you're using if you're a heavy user of Netflix, you should pay for your own account. Like, I, I don't have any uh, qualms about that. I, I feel like that is a reasonable thing for a company to expect of anyone. Um, but I have to say that the way that they're making this transition is not easy. Um, so transfer a profile, like if there's someone on your account, you can like, they can take their account and transfer it to a new account, like a new profile or, or the other way around. They can take a profile on your account, transfer it to a new account. Yes. And that's what I did with my dad is, um, you have to go into your account, enable profile transfers, and then enter in a new email and password for mm-hmm. the new account. That's basically. I mean, alternatively, works, right? could you still keep like create the account for him, basically, yes. and still keep him under your thing? But you chose not to do that. Well, okay. So, so one way is you transfer someone to a new account. That's what yeah, I just yeah. said, right? The yeah. other way is buying an extra member. Yeah. So you looked at your father <laughs> in the eyes, like the father who raised you and paid for everything. Is like, I, I, I cannot have you on this Netflix account anymore. It's gonna mm-hmm. cost me an extra that, ten, fifteen dollars a month, right? That is not true. Okay. <laughs> let me exp- let me explain. That's, I mean, that's, never made eye contact never at made any that, point. Yeah. <laughs> that's 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 the net result is what you describe, but it's that's yes, not the thought yes. process. Okay, so an extra member now for Netflix costs eight dollars per month. So that's a lot. Like it's not like a three to four dollar surcharge. It's like basically a whole ass new account, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm totally willing. But and by the way, I, I offered to pay for my dad's new account too. Like not even just extra member. I was like, if you want us to pay for a new account, that's fine. But he was too prideful to accept that. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I was willing to pay for my dad to be an extra member. The problem with extra members is extra members come with a bunch of rest- uh, like yeah, constraints. Yeah, yeah. So if you're an extra member, you can basically only use Netflix on one account at a, uh, one device at a time. Is my understanding. Um, you can only download to one device at a time. And they cannot create their own profiles, and they do not have access to the kids' profile, which is a, a Netflix feature. So it comes with a lot of restraints, basically, like a lot of like restrictions. Um, and my dad and my mom watch different Netflix shows, and they have multiple devices in their house, so it just didn't make sense to add my dad as an extra member. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, instead, they're going to have their own Netflix household. But uh, yeah, the, I I am surprised by. Um, how unappealing the extra member feature is. And they're basically just going to force people to start new accounts, which right, is right, totally right. within their right. But they're not easing this transition. They're not like making it super smooth from my perspective. And I am curious, like, how do you guys think you're going to approach this? Like it's, you have, uh, you're yeah. sharing Netflix. Like, do you think you're going to get your family members new accounts? Like I probably uh, this, will. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's probably you your grandmother uses it. You, you say your grandmother, uses my wife's grandmother um, is using our account. So she has a profile and everything. I haven't gotten any emails about that yet. So yeah. I have to see. Right now, I do have an email out, from, yeah. yeah. I have a Netflix email saying my household has been confirmed and it lists a set of devices. I'm like, mm. okay, yeah, th- those look like devices using Netflix. Um, Okay. I yeah, it's a, the problem for Netflix, and we talked about this before, is that they let this go on for too long. Yeah, and they even promoted the idea of sharing because really it was the the reach that they wanted more than the revenue per user. And now to do this about face is um, it's gonna be tough, and they're probably they, gonna lose they, a lot of users for this too. They are betting that they are going to gain more subscribers and they're going to lose because of the inconvenience. Right, 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 right. Like they're going to gain more new accounts because more than they lose. Um, we'll see if it pays off. I think they've tried this in Canada and it has worked. So their gambit has worked in Canada, but I think this is really going to piss a lot of people off. Um, and, and I have to say like, yeah, I think the way the extra members work is, is not 
appealing. It's not mm-hmm. it's not a great feature. Now, if if it's your grandmother, Divingra, and they're just it's just them and they're using Netflix occasionally, it's probably fine. My parents are both power users of Netflix, guys. Okay, um, <laughs> they they consume like one new show a week. All right, so I can't uh, I can't have them being extra member. How about you, Jeff Kanata? Uh, how are you going to handle this network Netflix password? sharing situation i mean this doesn't really apply to me i don't i don't share an account with anybody outside my household so okay uh, it doesn't apply well we are curious to see any interesting and fun stories you might have uh of household accounts i do want to point out that the way they are identifying who's in the household is using a combination of ip addresses mm-hmm. and device ids and activity um they are not using GPS coordinates. That's something that people were have been wondering. They're not using GPS, but they are using those features. Uh, I am really curious how annoying this is going to be for people who uh, travel, for people who split their time between two locations, yep. mm-hmm. for you know, military people who move around. Like, I'm curious like how this is all going to play out, you know, whether it's going to be uh, a bit of a mess or not. But curious to hear what people think about this at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Best of luck to you in the Netflix household wars to come. So, uh, speaking of streaming catastrophes, Max launched this week, guys. Max what a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every, the, the one everyone's been waiting for, Max, your friend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's I, been great? I think yeah, in solidarity, uh, we've decided to change the name of our show to The Cast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just cast, actually, cleaner that way. But cast. Yeah, uh, and I should. By the time many of you are listening to this, it'll be. But last week, it'll, it'll have been a week or so since Max launched. Actually, and wait a minute. We already did it. They're following our lead. <laughs> we already dropped the first word of our title. It's so true. It's so true, Jeff. Um, but yeah, Max launched, and uh, not a smooth rollout, from what I can tell. Uh, I don't know if you guys experienced this, but first of all. I just always assumed that the HBO Max app would just transform into Max. When the That's what happened, happened for I, me. Yeah, I think, the, so I've talked to Netflix or HBO before, and they said, depending on the platform. Mm, so some yeah, platforms on, can do that, but some can't. I'm on Roku, mm. and uh, it was as smooth yep. as could possibly be. It was like, Roku hey, tomorrow just we're like going to be Max. It, it yep. like had a splash page. It's like, hey, tomorrow we're going to be Max. And then the next day, it was Max, and I just kept yeah. watching my shows. and was no different iOS and Apple TV, you had to get something on new. On Apple but, TV, I yeah. had to download a whole ass new app, yeah. Jeff Kanata. But it did, it did carry over your credentials, didn't That's it? That's true. That's true. When I downloaded the new Max app, I just <laughs> opened it up and it did have all my stuff. Yeah. So that was, it was reason. a 10, 15 second inconvenience in your life. And uh, oh. is it working fine? How's it, how's it going? Well, I will say the new uh, Max app on TVOS is considerably shittier than HBO. Oh, is it? Yeah, it, they're using their own like proprietary video, or not proprietary, but like they're using mm-hmm. a different video player than the tvos player hmm. uh and so it's much more difficult to navigate from my perspective i honestly um, the hbo max player was always a disaster for me like just yes. fast forwarding something and exactly getting back well, to a point welcome Never welcome back to that TV. welcome back to that times in my opinion okay um, but uh and reason like reason number people... 57 why you don't want to use the apple tv it's mm-hmm. just man i hate that thing no it's great i'm sorry jeff yeah. A lot of a uh, lot of outages. We heard like a lot of outages and mm-hmm. uh, like people experiencing difficulty logging in. But at the end of the day, I don't think any of that is really going to leave a lasting impact. No, I, you think, know, I think it's fine. Many yeah. many pl- many apps have weird launches, and it ends up being fine. Here's what might though <laughs> is uh, uh, so if you go into Max and you go into like a movie like mm-hmm. Goodfellas or something like that, uh, usually you would see. 
who worked on the movie listed by uh, by what they did for the movie. Director, writer, producer, executive producer. Uh, you might see that on the info page of your favorite streaming app. Well, Max created some consternation this week by bunching all of those people into a tab or a section called creators. Right. Like a psychopath, by the way. Like, who <laughs> who thinks of anything <laughs> like that? So, uh, and, and specifically, it did not distinguish between, like, writers and directors. Yes. Right? Or producers. Or producers. They're so just, just all in the same thing. They yes. all created. They're created. They all created. Yeah. It just bucketed Craft all those services, people. creators, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, uh, yes, Jeff, everyone contributes to the final work. But yeah. in this case, uh, this is clearly against guild policies. Mm-hmm. And I, I just have to point out, this is an extremely delicate time in Hollywood right now. <laughs> this is a really right? dumb. Like, this is a cell phone. <laughs> this is just like you just literally just did what do what you were doing before, you idiots. It's all you had to do. I don't know where this thing came from. This is changing, by the way. You saw that statement. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. No, no, I'm, okay. gonna, I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna get into it. But we are in a very delicate time God. in Hollywood right now. The the writers guild is on strike uh-huh. in a strike that is has lasted for weeks and has no end in sight. Uh notably. The DGA and SAG, I think their contracts are up for renewal June 30th. And there's been a huge question as to whether the DGA will join the WGA in the strike. Because if that happens, if SAG and DGA and WGA all strike, the you know, Jeff, you were talking about how the town shut down when the writers stro- struck in, mm-hmm. you know, 15 years ago. This would be even beyond that. Like it would be unprecedented. Like, yeah, true it's apocalypse. going to be. It's yeah. going to be. There's no, you can't even do um, reality shows, right? You can't do anything animation anything so there's been a huge question as to whether or not the directors will join the writers in the strike you know because uh if the writers are on strike it kind of gives the directors more leverage right like they can they have a little bit more bargaining power um but uh leave it to david zasloff and warner media for giving the writers and the directors a reason to band together and uh the, you know this uh, one, the week the week after he was booed by the entire Boston <laughs> University college graduating class. Yeah, incredible a roll. Zaslav hits one after another. Leslie Linka Gladder, who is the DGA president, says, "Quote: For almost ninety years, the Directors Guild has fought fiercely to protect the credit and recognition deserved by directors for the work they create. Warner Brothers Discovery's unilateral move, without notice or consultation." to collapse directors, writers, and producers, and others into a generic category of creators in their new Max rollout, while we are in negotiations with them, is a grave insult to our members and our union. Actually, I see the category change now. Looks like it's just now shitheads. Like now. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That is what David Zasloff thinks about writers and directors, apparently. I mean, this is the same company that was also like, hey, by the way, your movies are on our service day and date now. Yeah. yeah, Bye. Bye. No explanation, no explanation, no negotiation. The dipshits we have to pay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's funny. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) it would be hilarious if David Zasloff's Max launched caused the DGA to strike. Uh, as a result, like it's oh, you, it's man. it's rare to see DJ and WGA solidarity, but they both issued statements about this. Uh, uh, to be for, fair, there's been a lot of DGA members yes. that have been on the picket lines with absolutely. WGA. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. before no. this moment, I mean, right. they, there's been a lot of solidarity. A lot of SAG the, members as well. A lot of SAG members. Yes. Also. Yeah, oh my I, gosh, so yeah. many. Um, many of my friends uh, have been on the picket lines. 
Um, so yeah, it, 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 this so is it, it's possible it would have happened anyway. It's possible like they might strike mm-hmm, anyway mm-hmm. in solidarity. I don't no, think yeah. there was any chance of it not happening. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. it's yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Everybody has uh, been on the same page in a way that they haven't been in the past. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, well, for its part, Max said the following quote. We agree that the talent behind the content on Max deserve their work to be properly recognized. We will correct the credits, which were altered due to an oversight in the technical transition from HBO Max to Max, and we apologize for the mistake, end quote. Now, there was some dude sitting in the data entry thing who was like, ugh, how many fields do I have to? Let's just put them all into one field. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Copy paste this database. What could go wrong? Except (laughs) that would have been the better thing to do. Seems like they like transferred that information through something else. By the way, stop calling things content, you idiots. It's not content. Absolutely. Like these, these are creative works. Yeah. A, a lot of people rightfully called out that that statement was complete bullshit. Like mm-hmm. there, there is no way it is a technical, like a, an oversight <laughs> in the technical transition. That's what they, they wanted to make it seem like a technical mistake. Mm-hmm. Somebody had to create a yes. bucket called creators. Somebody had to sign off on that bucket being created. Somebody had to decide that they it's, are not going to. It's an essential to... element of this redesign. Like yes. it is not, it's unmissible. Yeah, so it's, I don't know yeah. if you guys know how computers work. <laughs> With all these fancy silicon chips and such. When, yeah. when you're making a new app, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. Indeed. And, oh, really? You don't yeah, say Oh, Jeffrey. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to put all the movies, you're trying to take off the HBO part of Max, and mm-hmm. you're trying to stick all the movies into the funnel yeah. that gets them into the new app, and sometimes they don't fit the same size, so you got to shave off some words like director yeah. and writer, you know? That's how it it's works. Just, it's, it is fascinating. Like, I'm actually shocked they put that statement out because... I'm guessing it's probably a lie. Like I'm guessing it's yeah, like it's legally, absolutely a lie. it's like legally not true. And so like mm-hmm. you you don't in general you don't want to make false statements. But I think they Hard probably met with they probably met with a lawyer and they're like yeah we it's technically an oversight in the technical transition. So they, they but it's like yeah. that's not you know spirit of the law not letter of the law. It's complete mm-hmm. BS. Um, but yes, we are glad that uh, writers, directors, and producers will get the proper credit. Uh, and that all content is not just you know one big bucket where you can lump everyone into the same creator category. So uh, bad times bad, in the bad streaming time. world think- these days, guys. <laughs> a lot of these problems started when we started calling everything content. Mm-hmm. By the way, like what a what a garbage term for just like stuff you push into your eyeballs. It doesn't have any artistic merit. That's all it is. It's just garbage in your eyes. That's content. I hate it. I mean, we are making some now. We're making we're making quality critical analysis. Jeff <laughs> okay. okay. Well, well speaking yeah. of the devaluation, speaking of the devaluation of uh, art, uh, seventy six titles are being removed from Disney Plus and Hulu. Uh, and this, I think, as 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 of the time you're listening, this has already happened. Uh, we saw this happen with HBO Max and Warner, and we're like, hey, that was up- upsetting and weird. That Westworld, one of HBO's defining shows, is no longer in HBO Max. That's that's weird. Isn't it? Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen again. But no, it, it's happening. Um, Seventy-six shows are being removed. The, one of the big ones being Willow. Uh, Why the Last man. man? You know, these are these are some major shows that had millions of dollars of marketing behind them that are just being removed, presumably for cost-saving purposes. Willow is a tough one too because I'm sure a lot of people are like, "I'll get to that eventually." Mm-hmm. Except, yeah, that, now you can't. You won't. Yeah, yeah. It's been heartbreaking to see people's social posts. Saying like, hey, I spent, you know, three years of my life working on the show and now it is literally impossible to buy or stream anywhere. Mm-hmm. 
And um, the creators don't usually get like physical media to take home. Exactly. Either, so, yeah, you have to beg people for that. It sucks. Uh, I we're just in such a we're just in such a weird time where like the the promise of streaming has melted down in so many ways not just financially but also like the the uh the dream is hey everything available all the time and now it's Mm -hmm. stuff dozens of titles just getting annihilated with virtually no uh no notice like sheer capriciousness too like no rhyme no reason i'm sure there are there are no seeming no seeming rhyme or reason that's communicated clearly to us it's like whatever Um, yeah yeah but by, by so, the way, uh, that Why the Last Man show, we did talk about it a bit. I think that is worth a watch. So if you want to check it out before it goes, you, you probably should. I think by and the time you're listening to this, it will be literally impossible to it watch will it. It will be anymore. gone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> there are other ways to watch things. And if these companies want to make it impossible to watch things, what do you think is going to start happening again? And we're actually already seeing the rise of piracy and things coming back where I, I don't know. Maybe if you have some moral feelings about that, uh, when these things disappear entirely, I don't see the problem with with just like getting your own copy of it. You know, because there's no way to you you cannot purchase them. You, there's mm-hmm. no way to access it, and and basically accessing it, I I cannot condone you know officially or legally condone sure, no sure. piracy. We are not a legal podcast. Um, do not we're take any content. legal. Advice. We're not lawyers. We're yeah. just content. Do not take content any legal advice from us. That's all we are. But yeah. I do think that uh, that pirates who hold on to this material are serving a cultural purpose because mm-hmm. they're allowing this material to be preserved yeah. that people put a lot of work into. I cannot comment on the legitimacy of piracy, but some may say they're doing the Lord's work. So <laughs> some, some, some may, some, you know, a bummer, a bummer for me, uh, the princess. I don't think we ever reviewed that movie. I talked about you it on talked the podcast. About it. Yeah. 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 That's a fun action movie starring Joey King. That's going to be gone. Mm. Um, there is a right stuff series that's going to be gone um so many titles just just lost I, i'm sure they will show up in other places yeah 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 like isn't uh, westworld going to roku yeah I like think, roku's I think just getting the leftovers so like the reason they're vanishing is so they can license like many of these mm-hmm. titles will be licensed to other places and they can make money that way but some of them won't be and that's a bummer so yeah so if you have a chance people to actually buy these things we've talked about this before but yes. station 11 is out there it's on blu-ray it's on 4k blu-ray go buy it and tell people you know tell these companies that you actually want these things and cherish them absolutely absolutely all right those are some bits of film and streaming news let's take a break for a sponsor we'll be right back with more uh what we're watching right after this hey it's time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor fast growing trees we we've got multiple trees from fast growing trees at my house growing fast as we speak it's actually quite awesome because my kids we're so delighted when the fast growing trees arrived on our doorstep that they've adopted them. They've given them names. My daughter named one of our trees Mr. Puppy Paws and the other one Jaja. And they have taken to uh, watering them and taking care of them. It's a delight. And you too can breathe some life into your own backyard with fastgrowingtrees.com this spring. Fastgrowingtrees.com's plant experts curate thousands of easy to grow plant shrub and tree varietals for your unique climate this is huge for us because we just moved to colorado i don't understand this environment it's the first time i've ever had weather so we wanted to get trees that would thrive here and it's hard to know which plants will do best but that is not a problem with fast growing trees because With FastGrowingTrees.com, you get customized recommendations based on your specific needs. Plus, their plant experts are always available to help keep your plants growing healthy 
throughout the season and beyond. No more waiting in lines and hauling heavy plants around. With FastGrowingTrees.com, you order online and your plants arrive at your door in just a few days. I told you, it was amazing. My kids are like, trees? On the doorstep? On the front doorstep? Amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. And I got a little worried, honestly, because uh, my kids got attached to them. They named them. And I thought, I will probably not be able to keep these alive. But with Fast Growing Trees 30-Day Alive and Thrive Guarantee, you know everything will look great fresh out of the box. So join over 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash filmcast now to get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash filmcast. All right, folks, let's get to what we've been watching. I want to mention a couple things I've been watching this week. Uh, I want to start with a little bit of a more obscure movie. This one's called Matter Out of Place. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this movie. Uh, probably not. It debuted at a, bu- a bunch of film festivals like IDFA and VNL. It sounds like vaguely familiar. Yeah. It will be out on DVD and digital on June 27th, 2023. So in about a month, and I'll just give a very quick shout out to this movie. It's directed by uh, Nicholas uh, Ger- uh, Halter. And this is a movie about garbage. The entire movie is about garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, have you guys seen like Koyaniskatsi? Yeah, sure, 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 yeah. sure. Yeah, so it's it's kind of in that vein. There's virtually no dialogue in the whole movie. It's just shots of garbage around the world, <laughs> and how human beings dispose of garbage around the world. Uh, and I think there's many shots in this movie that are visually arresting and very, very beautiful and haunting and upsetting. And if you want, and there's there's no context, there's no narration, there's no talking heads. It's just beautifully composed shots of garbage that's <laughs> like lasts for an hour and forty minutes. And then the last shot is the director's neighbor. He's like, "Got you, <laughs> Phil. You're garbage too." One of the things that is interesting about this is like it goes around the world. It's like goes to Greece and it goes to you know Sweden and it goes to other countries and it shows how all these different places dispose of their garbage and. And the one thing that is common through all of these places is human beings don't like looking at garbage. Like all society, they they figure out a way to get the garbage in trucks, in boats, whatever, out of sight. And I mean, it's also a public health thing too. Yes, absolutely. To to get it far away. Yeah. But I think it's uh, it's just fascinating. Like, and and people do it in different ways. You know, some people burn it. Some people put it in huge dumps. Some people dump it into the ocean. You're like, uh. But you just get you're just impressed by the scale of how much garbage humans produce. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, it's really it's really kind of amazing in many ways. Now, for a movie that has no dialogue, like in my opinion, every single shot needs to be a banger. Do you know what I mean? Like, like if you watch Samsara or Koyan, mm-hmm. like every single shot needs to be a banger. I don't quite think this movie hits that. I think probably like. 78 to 80 percent of the shots are incredible you're saying some um, of the shots of gar- of garbage are garbage uh, no i wouldn't go go that far but i think <laughs> that you need to really do a lot to engage people's attention if you have no dialogue or narration in your movie um so i do wish that uh the the editing had been tightened up a little bit but other than that uh if you want to watch a hundred minutes of shots of garbage 
Matter out of place. Is there, has there ever been a more Dave Chen movie <laughs> of all time? Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, this is right up my alley. So. Spend your time staring at garbage. <laughs> Matter Out of Place will be on DVD and digital on June 27th. It will be uh, uh, on Ovid on June 14th. Uh, so, yeah. Devinder Hardware, what is one thing you have been watching this week? Uh, pretty much just one thing I want to talk about. My daughter has started watching Strange World, that uh, Disney movie that came out last year and yeah. just yeah. kind of disappeared. Je- Jeff Kanata yeah. talked about this a yes, few, I did. A few yeah, months yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I recall. Um, it is funny to watch this movie the same week we're reviewing The Little Mermaid because <laughs> this movie just feels like, hey, did. I've seen this movie before. I've definitely seen this movie, this Disney movie before. And it's kind of, it, it is kind of funny. So it's like, it is a perfectly fine uh, family adventure film from Disney, um, co-directed by Don Hall, who did uh, what uh, Moana, I believe and a whole bunch of other things. Um, and she knew and it's, it's about a family of adventurers. They go on a big adventure. There are life lessons learned. There are, you know, uh, uh, things uh people who were long lost who reconnect and they learn to understand each other by the end and it is weird how it just feels like um yeah this movie is just like every disney movie i don't i don't know I, I don't know what else to say about it i think it's perfectly fine but i think it's also it's no surprise it hasn't had like a lasting cultural conversation or anything because man have we seen this movie again and again and i feel kind of bad because i think the designs of it of the like alien like world that they have and some of the creatures are all really cool and the animation is really good and the cast is great jake Hall's in this jabuki young white's in this um i think it's perfectly serviceable <clears throat> but man does it feel like we've seen this movie before and that's just kind of a shame i feel like you got to do a little more i feel i forget what your exact takeaway of it was jeff but pretty much that yeah. okay yeah <laughs> pretty agreed. Much that. agreed it's then. completely yeah. fine it's completely fine it's actually yeah. a very pretty movie it's gorgeous yeah but uh, kind, of, kind of the same concept of quantum mania, but since you don't have to like bring in live action and everything, like I think it is far more inventive and creative than that movie. Yeah. Well, that is strange world. And did you watch it on Disney plus Devendra or I did? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And, uh, as long as it's there, I don't know anymore. <laughs> Indeed. Jeff Kanata hit us with something you've been watching this week. Uh, I checked out a new series on Apple TV plus. It's called platonic. Uh, it stars uh, Rose Byrne and Seth Rogen. Uh, and this is a, the creative team behind um, the Forgetting Sarah Marshall movie, which is uh, an old That's favorite fun. of mine. Yeah. Uh, and particularly uh, Francesca Del Banco, who um, made a, a show that is woefully underrated that my wife and I really loved. And I believe I talked about it a number of times on the show called Friends from College. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you have mentioned yeah. that, yeah. Oh, man. It's not on anymore, but uh, I think there's like two seasons of that show. Oh, that will, nobody talks about it. Very fun show. Yeah, on Netflix, Friends from College, yep. Yeah. Anyway, Platonic is the new show uh, from that team, and uh, I, I love the concept of this show. It's really a, a kind of a corner of, it, it lives in the kind of rom com place, but it's, it's no rom. It's all calm. Uh, the idea is, <laughs> can you imagine a rom-com with no rom? Um, the idea here is that Rose Byrne and Seth Rogen were friends uh, many years ago and um, haven't really, and now uh, 
they both got married and Rose Byrne mm -hmm. uh, has three kids and uh, Seth Rogen has just got divorced as the- This is not in the neighbor's universe, by the way. <laughs> no, it's not. It's kind of funny. It's okay. not. Yeah. Although yeah. they also, the creators like were, you know, I think uh, Nicholas Stoller- Yeah, know, he, directed he directed that, that. too. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, this happens. Yeah. Anyway, so um, <laughs> they were friends. They were like buddies in, in like college, post-college. And then uh, Seth Rogen's character marries someone that Rose Byrne's character disliked intensely. And so they kind of stopped talking to each other. And at the beginning of the series, he's getting a divorce from this woman. And so Rose Byrne's like, oh, I'll reach, reach back out and strike up a friendship. And the whole concept of this show is like adult people in their 40s who have children or are married, they're, they're not, a, a man and a woman aren't friends. Like they, you don't have ma male-female friendships the whole concept is like, we have married couple friends and the men hang out and the women hang out. And there's not like a man and woman who are just have a platonic friendship that is not romantic in any way. There's just, we, that you've moved past that part of your life where you can have those. Like you're in a different phase is that, of is life. That ex, is that explicitly stated in the, <laughs> in the show? Or are you, stated, uh, explicitly it, okay. stated. Explicitly stated. Literally a, that exact sentence is said, you're in a new phase of life. We don't have those kinds of relationships anymore. Because I knew you, you're gonna you get don't mad have at time for, for it for having yeah. that opinion. I felt like there was a lot of anger in that. Day. No, there was, there was no. I'm just trying to understand what is the show and what is Jeff's editorializing. No, no um, editorializing. And, and, that and, is the and show's I'm also premise. sure. I'm also sure there are a lot of people who disagree with that premise in the in the audience listening right now. So, but anyway, uh, I, I think it strikes pretty true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. The show is very funny and I love the dynamic. I mean, there's a lot of chemistry between Rose Byrne and Seth Rogen. Obviously they've worked together many, many times and it seems like they're friends in real life. And so much of the show, it, the show plays against your expectation uh, mm -hmm. so much, you know, um, they reference Harry Met Sally, you know, when Harry Met Sally, which the premise of when Harry Met Sally is men and women can't be friends. You know, they, there's always like, there's always an attraction. And at the beginning of the show, Seth Rogen's like, oh, Harry met Sally. It's about the fact that women and men and women can't be friends. And his friends are like, no, at the end, they get together. They, they fall in love. They, they prove that you can't. Anyway, it's very funny because this show is committed to this notion that there's absolutely no romantic connection, or at least, you know, in the first three episodes that I've watched. Mm -hmm. there's, but I, I'm fairly certain that's the whole idea here. It's, the show is called Platonic, and it's literally, there's no romantic anything between these two characters they're just friends and they're very funny together and you know it is it, it, there's wonderful scenes like when they reconnect like it's messy and weird and they kind of butt heads and there's it's not it's not just happy fun times all the time it's really interesting and really funny i mean i i'm i'm enjoying this very very much i think uh, this is kind of my wife and i's new uh, half hour comedy go to, you know, nice, um, nice. and it's, uh, it's on, um, Apple TV plus, which means it's coming out week to week. I think they released the first three, uh, in a chunk and then it'll be week to week, um, releases on Wednesdays and we're in man. It's it. I, I've laughed a lot watching it and it's just delightful to watch charming people in fun situations. Yeah, that's the whole premise. It's just like these two people are platonic friends and that's it. Yeah, that's he's like getting over a divorce yeah. and reconnecting with her and they're trying to, you know, reconnect and then they sort of get into goofy adventures every episode, you know. They're... It's basically Fleischman's in trouble, except, uh, <laughs> except, except funny. funny. Yeah. 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 Not soul crushing. Not, yeah. not existentially <laughs> depressing. Yes. Um, okay. 
But uh, yeah, well, that sounds like fun. Uh, it's platonic. great. It's really, platonic really good. And, yeah. you know, they're so good. Roseburn's very funny. And there's like this whole dynamic of her. I mean, it's very, it resonates a lot with my wife and I in our phase of life because, you know, there's a whole side thing with her and her female friend who are both moms and going, dropping their kids off at school and like dealing with being moms in their 40s. And it's very much our lives, you know, it's, it's, it, so it resonates a lot with our phase of life as well. And, and sort of dealing with all those dynamics in a very honest, but funny way, self self-deprecating way. Very cool. It's platonic on Apple TV plus. I will just mention one other thing I have been watching. There is a new show on Netflix called FUBAR that stars Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh huh. Yeah. You would think that an Arnold Schwarzenegger show would be a big deal, but I have seen not one bit of marketing about this show. I don't know. There, it's all over Twitter. There, okay. There's a lot I'm of first time hearing stuff. of it. Yeah. I yeah. didn't yeah. even. I wasn't even aware of this. Yeah, he's like so, the action ambassador for Netflix. Basically, I'm right very now. excited. Is it good? It is completely fine. Uh, I'm actually more excited about the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary that's coming out on Netflix in a few weeks. Uh, it's like a three part documentary about Arnold's life. That seems like it's going to be must watch for me. Um, Fubar has an extremely similar premise to True Lies. I'll, I, I will say what the premise is. Okay, you find out basically what happens in the first thirty minutes, and also uh, the title of the first episode kind of talks about what the premise is. But basically, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a spy, and he has worked for you know the CIA for years, uh, and he is on a uh, mission. What are they called? Assignment. You know. Uh, and he discovers that one of his family members is also in the CIA, and and they uh, a series of reckonings about you know how they've been lying to each other and, and how their family members they have to care for each other ensues. Um, here's the question that you, you you need to ask yourself, right? Like, why do you watch Arnold Schwarzenegger movies? What is what is it about Arnold Schwarzenegger movies that appeal to you? Because for me. A huge part of the appeal of Arnold was his physically imposing presence. Like that was a big aspect to me. And just like seeing this machine of a man literally mm -hmm. in Terminator, like uh, what he's able to do. I remember Terminator 2, Judgment Day, I believe, you know, there's a scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger picks up a, or the T-800 picks up a chain gun while at Skynet and like yep, yep. repels police officers. And I remember Does reading- Does it non-lethally to yeah, you? Yeah, non-lethally. That's right. It was yeah. amazing. And I remember reading, he was the only person on set that could carry that gun by himself. Um, yeah. Those muscles aren't just for show. Exactly. <laughs> He's amazing. He's on stage work. muscles. <laughs> yeah. he has but also, been... listen, I go to Arnold Schwarzenegger movies too, Dave, uh, because he is funny. He can be funny. I was there, loving Last Action Hero when that movie came out, and a lot of people crapped on it. And now it's getting a kind of like resurgence, and people are like finding like, oh, yeah was actually pretty smart it That's wasn't been perfect a, the, yeah last action hero has been a weird experience because i always love that movie like I've when always, i saw dude, that movie, when i saw yeah, that as a kid yeah. like i was like this is amazing and then hearing that some people didn't like it i'm like what like i, I never what, got what it. is jeff's i never got it yeah jeff go ahead yeah i i, I agree i but i i think that it's one of those weird phenomenon where everybody Everybody remembers liking it, but it mm -hmm. tanked on the at, you know, yes. somehow yeah, it was yeah. it was a complete disaster. But right. everybody I know loved it. Like yes. all the kids 
that went to see it at that time yeah. loved it. But it was just like adults were like, what is this garbage movie? Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it came out around the time as Jurassic Park, I want to say. Yeah. Or like it was one, ahead of its time. Jurassic like Park the, 1 or 2, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah I, I, I've always loved that movie. But all and the kids, I, I, like it was so meta and yes. so weird. Mm-hmm. And I think it just, like you said, Devendra, ahead of its time in the sense that everything that our generation <laughs> loves is sort of meta and self-reflexive and like about media as a thing. Yeah. And I think our parents' generation was just not, on that page at all. Mm. It's just weird. Maybe, yeah. maybe as a comedy, right? Because Robocop and Verhoeven did that quite often in, in his works, but it's, but not it's very directly as last act. Last act was directly, like, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. walking through yeah. the, you know, the blockbuster video and you see the St- Sylvester Stallone standee. And it's like, <laughs> that was, that was, that's an amazing <laughs> blew my mind. I know. History, yeah. right? Or in movie history, like the idea that they thought up like, okay, what would an alternate universe Terminator 2 look like? Sylvester Stallone would be, of course, because mm-hmm. he and Arnold were huge competitors um, in the 80s hilarious. and 90s. Well, also, so, they were also like, um, didn't they always like give each other shit all the time, too? Yes. Like, it, there, there was a big rivalry. By the way, now that we're talking about uh, uh, Arnold, um, the Conan O'Brien podcast, they're doing a live reading of the Lost Hans and Franz movie. Mm. And oh, it wow. is a lot of fun because Dana Carvey's on there. Kevin Nealon's on there. Um, you know, like the idea that they wrote this movie, which has... A huge like role for Arnold Schwarzenegger for the real Arnold to be in it. It's a wonder it was never made. But it was apparently like one of the things that he was uh you know working on or considering before Last Action Hero. Go listen to that because it's a lot of fun. If you if who you plays like Arnold? Arnold fun stuff. Um, I think it's uh who's it? Uh, Triumph Triumph guy. Oh oh yeah, Robert um, Smigel. Yeah. Robert Smigel. Yeah, yeah Smigel's yeah. there too because he co-wrote it. So it's a lot of fun if you like uh, '90s era stuff. Yeah. Oh, I'm in. So I agree with you that Last Action Hero really shows off. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's comedic chops. Mm-hmm. Um, Kindergarten cop? Oh, yeah. It's not a tumor? It's not a tumor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who is your but, daddy and what does he do? <laughs> <laughs> I think Fubar, the Netflix original series, is like a completely fine sitcom, basically. It's like each episode's one hour long, but it's kind of a sitcom where, you know, this father and his uh, one of his family members get into this really weird, outrageous situation. Um, but the action is pretty rough. It's very obvious that it's not Arnold Schwarzenegger doing it. You know Ugh. what I mean? Like, yeah. Like w- when you're watching John Wick Chapter Four, it's it's very obvious. It's Keanu Reeves doing a lot of that stuff. Um, you can see his face. Action takes place in like single continuous shots. Um, not the case with Fubar. It's t- tons of cutting. Tons of you're seeing him from behind the back of his head. Very few continuous shots. And so if you're not watching Arnold doing the action then what's left is Arnold's charm and his comedic skills. And they are considerable. I think he's a wonderful charismatic screen presence, but Mm -hmm. like I I was, you know, and he's obviously getting on in years and I don't expect people to kind of be like Tom Cruise into their sixties or anything like that. But as a result, like the show's um, pleasures are a little bit more limited for me. I will say the cast is amazing. Monica Barbaro, who plays Phoenix in Top Gun Maverick, um, I thought she was amazing in that movie. I haven't seen her in a lot of other stuff. She's in this movie playing Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter. Jay Baruchel shows up in the first episode. Um, so there's some really amazing cast in the uh, the show, mm-hmm. but it's pretty disposable entertainment. But hey, you know, if it's like maybe that's what some people are looking for. If you're like, hey, I just want something to put on in the background while I'm cooking dinner, this is actually a perfect for sure. option for that. You, so, you know what is an Arnold movie that needs a reckoning? Um, and we actually reviewed it. The Last Stand, mm. the Kim Ji Woon movie, which I think was got kind of like middling reviews at the time. But man, I liked it then. 
it was such like a throwback to old school Arnold action. Um, I, I need to yeah, rewatch that movie. Definitely, yeah. it's I definitely prefer the Last Stand to Fubar. Um, but I don't, I don't, I didn't love it. You know, we reviewed it as you said. I didn't. We love reviewed it. it. Yeah, it would be open to a re- reconsideration of that. But I think more because like, and also Kim Ji Woon like brought some really creative stuff to that movie. So yeah. yeah, it was fun. But yeah, if you if you're looking for, hey, this is not like Jeff. You've said sometimes at the end of the day. You're really tired. You just want to put something on that's not taxing. It's perfectly pleasant. I think Fubar on Netflix actually mm. uh, falls into that category. So is there is funny? a True Lies show now too. Yeah, it's okay. You know, no. it's okay. I mean, it's, it's trying to be funny though. I think I chuckled like once or twice during yeah. the first episode. But I mean, it's it's so. attempting to be comedic. Yes, it, yeah. it is attempting to be comedic, and um, mm. and it's it's extremely similar. In plot and theme to True Lies, just James Cameron's not directing it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it is the Netflixified True, True Lies, basically. Oh, yes. It's kind it of like the, the algorithmic notice, stuff. Yeah. True Lies got the Red Notice treatment, mm. and the result is FUBAR. Um, so anyway, that's FUBAR. It's a show on Netflix. That is what we've been watching this week. Let's take a break for another sponsor. We'll be right back with more The Filmcast right after this. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. All right, folks, let's get to weekly plugs. We're going to do weekly plugs. Weekly Plug is a part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making with Succession having just wrapped up or about to wrap up, depending mm-hmm. on when you're listening to this. I decided to take a look at the life of Logan Roy and extract five business lessons from his life. <laughs> uh, yeah. You can find those at... Because yeah. he's a role model that oh, we yeah, should all look up to. Absolutely. Yeah. You should emulate everything that Logan Roy does in this show, Succession. Yeah. So, so the life of success, you know. So, yeah. yeah. So because of that, uh, you should definitely check out my article at decodingeverything.com, five business lessons from Logan Roy. It's my free newsletter, uh, and you can find it at decodingeverything.com. So that's my weekly plug. Even your hardware, your weekly plug. Sure, I want people to check out the latest episode of the Engadget Podcast. I talked to Mr. Panos Panay, the Woo! chief product officer at Microsoft. You're wooing because people in the tech world know who he is. He was Mr. Surface for a very long time. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I yeah. worked at Microsoft while he was mm-hmm. while he came out with Surface, and you know he's he's a legend of the company. I I I you know here's my fanboy moment, Devinder. Uh-huh, he he, uh-huh. he unveiled like I, I don't remember. I think the Surface Three or something like that, and uh, or Surface Pro Three. And I sent him an email, and I was like, Hey, I thought you did a great job today. And he said, Thanks. <laughs> uh that was that Set was for my assistant yeah, yeah <laughs> that's my uh that's my brush with with panos panay fame over at, over at the old microsoft Indeed. yeah so he is a guy who's deeply committed to his tech and we talked about uh windows copilot which is this thing they're doing they're bringing that that the ai stuff the bing ai stuff right into windows um could be interesting could be exciting i also foresee some problems so we have a good chat about like you know the potential for it to change windows but also i don't uh, yeah a lot of misinformation, a lot of weirdness happening with AI that I don't think Microsoft is fully prepared for. And I asked him some questions about that. So check out our interview on the Engadget podcast. There is a scene that I always remember mm-hmm. from Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, where <laughs> Scotty sits down 
at a 1980s era PC mm -hmm. and picks up the mouse and talks into it and says, hello, computer. We are now, I've lived long enough where that's going to be, it was funny, ha ha, because look, people from the yeah, future yeah. think you could just talk to a computer and ask it to do things instead well, of. Before, before you get too excited, Jeff, you're, you're not talking to this. You're, you're typing to it. You're going there, dude. It, it's, you're it's happening. You're it's tapping happening. in. Um, but no, we had Cortana. We had all these things for a while, and Cortana died. They killed Cortana because it was doing so badly. So, you know, maybe there's a resurgence of bringing those assistants back with AI and making them better. Because I do want to talk to my computer. I want to say, hey, like, as Hello, I'm working computer. on stuff, I want to, like, yeah, yeah. Edit this podcast, please. Like, just yeah. do it, please. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that every week. Um, Jeff Kanata, <laughs> your weekly plug. Last week, I announced <laughs> on this in this very segment... Uh, my uh, my fundraising mm -hmm. efforts uh, for the uh, this this run that I'm doing uh, in August, uh, and people responded so beautifully. Uh, this is hood to coast. I'm running from Mount Hood to the coast. I'm raising money for Providence Cancer Institute, um, and uh, it is going to be a forty hour, forty eight hour nonstop race where I'm running with uh, a group of twelve, uh, eleven other people. Uh, I'm running with the Eastmoreland Fathers Association, uh, and uh, it's it's intense. I'm going to be running quite a long distance, but I'm doing it uh, not just because I hate myself. I'm doing it also to raise money for the Providence Cancer Institute. And I to I told everybody my uh, easy to remember uh -huh. <laughs> vanity URL. Yeah, for which you were publicly shamed. Right. Yes, and you know what, guys. Uh, as of this recording, we've gotten quite a number of people that endured, figured that out, mm -hmm. listened closely enough that they actually donated. Uh, well, we are, I, I, yeah, I also yeah. put the link in the show notes, so yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that might have been how Mostly <laughs> probably because they listened to me. <laughs> Just hand and by the, hand typed out that URL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing that I said, <laughs> yeah, yeah. all the effort that I put in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. As of right now, my goal is to raise $12,000 uh, before we run. Um, we're at $2,393 at this moment. That's not shabby. I'm That's pretty good. really impressed that folks, uh, people navigated the URL enough to, to donate that much is really, really, I'm already overwhelmed. Thank you. And I, the only podcast I've mentioned it on so far is this one. I'm going to mention it on my other podcast this week. Uh, but uh, the, so this is all Filmcast listeners. So thank you, Filmcast. Now, <laughs> it's going to be a little easier uh -huh. because- uh, thanks to now here, I'm going to tell you a little story. Yeah. Tell a story, Jeff. Tell a little tell story. A, tell a story. Um, my co-hosts, you may know them as Devendra and Dave. Uh, <laughs> they made fun of me quite a lot for not, for not doing the bare minimum of coming up with an easily, uh, expressible URL to let mm -hmm. this be, you know, easy for you folks to help. Te technology help. that's existed for decades. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah, the, yeah. Like literally the bare minimum effort to, yeah. you know, I got the vanity URL, uh, but you know, I could have actually made it easy. You could have taken 30 seconds to make the process 10 X easier for a listener to access yes. it. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> you know, just pulling the curtain back a little bit. We have a, uh, a, a Google, uh, page, a little, uh, a document that we fill in uh, for the show every week with our weekly plug yeah. so that Dave can easily put it in the show notes. Jeff, st stop. I want people to think we extemporize everything. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the guys noticed 
uh, on the weekly plugs this week that I actually had a vanity or not a vanity, a, a short, easily expressible URL for you folks to easily uh, donate to my to this cause. And they both uh, congratulated me for actually doing it. And I'm about to reveal. I didn't. <laughs> I literally got a text from a very generous listener. It was like, Jeff, I'm doing this for <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, listener. It's yeah. R- R3V on uh, on Twitter. Thank you, R3V. Mm-hmm. Thank uh, you. Reached out and said, hey, here's a URL. So, ladies and gentlemen, all you need to do is go to bit.ly bit.ly yep. slash run Jeff run. So bit, B-I-T dot L-Y slash run Jeff run. And you can uh, get right there to my uh, Providence uh, fundraising page and uh, help support. It, literally, any amount is is appreciated. A dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever, whatever you want to throw onto the pile. Uh, trying to get to twelve thousand for uh, Providence Cancer Institute. These are folks that are working specifically on uh, prostate cancer uh, and research and trying to prevent that. So um, I think it's a very good cause, and it it is uh, going to motivate me as I'm running in the middle of the night, dark at four o'clock in the morning, having had only an hour of sleep, and uh, wishing that I had not made this decision. Uh, wow. Your efforts will help me uh, keep on trucking. So thank you, R3V, for making it easy for folks. And thanks for anybody that's able to help out at uh, bit.ly slash run Jeff run. I have to say, Jeff, uh, c- good luck with with this whole thing. Because I think last time, didn't you like sprain an ankle? Oh, yes, it was too? terrible. Yes. that's uh, You want to repeat that? Okay. Uh, but mm-hmm. thank you also for proving that uh, we can always rely on the kindness of internet strangers. You did it, Jeff. Incredible. Again. Incredible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If so, I'm lazy enough, somebody... You know, somebody will support yeah, me. I, I, I think I, they call that moral hazard in the <laughs> insurance world. But uh, yeah, Jeff, you didn't technically do the least amount possible because the least amount possible would have been yeah, not yeah. mentioning it yeah. on the podcast. That's right. But, um, I did something. You did literally the thing that was right above that, which is somebody else made the bit.ly link. And then you mentioned it on the podcast. So congratulations, I am, Jeff. I am the beneficiary of others' kindness as I have been <laughs> for my whole life. And I am grateful for that. But hey, I am going to do the, the running part, which is not an insignificant part. You know, that's a big part. Speaking of uh, the kindness of strangers, I want to thank all the people at patreon.com slash film podcast for supporting the show. Uh, sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. Of course, we never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes them financial hardship. You know what a really great way to support the podcast is? Subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash at the filmcast pod. It's completely free. We get those YouTube numbers up. We can start selling uh, uh, selling ads on those videos. Right. And uh, that will help us out. YouTube.com slash at the filmcast pod. Subscribe over there. We'd really appreciate it. All right. That's Weekly Plugs. Let's get to our review of The Little Mermaid. You broke the rules. You went to the above world. A man was drowning. I had to save him. This obsession with humans has to stop. I just want to know more about them. Ariel, don't! Poor child. I can help you. You can't live in that world unless you become a human yourself. Is that even possible? (laughs) That's what I live for. Welcome to the Filmcast review of The Little Mermaid, the new movie directed by Rob Marshall. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. 
a young mermaid makes a deal with a sea witch to trade her beautiful voice for human legs so she can discover the world above water and impress a prince. Now, end quote. Now, I'm going to start by saying uh, typically we have a spoiler section for our uh, reviews. Uh, this movie, The Little Mermaid, is obviously based off of a classic animated film. Everyone knows the plot of that movie, uh, or most people do. So we will not have a spoiler section. You should assume that this entire review will contain spoilers for The Little Mermaid. And that includes differences between the movie and the original animated film. So it's full spoilers right from the jump. Now, I'm going to kick this off by saying that I have disliked, if not outright hated, <laughs> virtually every single one of these Disney remakes, uh, sure. like live, live sure. action remakes. I, Jung- Jungle that- Book was okay. I think Jungle Book was the more successful one, but yeah. Yeah. It's not that I have found them completely devoid of any artistic merit whatsoever. Um, and and oftentimes, the things that they spawn, like like derivative works, you know, like mm-hmm. Beyonce's work for The Lion King, like stuff that comes out of it is very valuable and worthwhile. But I find them to be mostly intellectually and artistically bankrupt. Um, often just recreating stuff from before, but in a shittier fashion. Uh, and I was going into this movie expecting to outright hate it, um, but but to be impressed by uh, Halle Bailey playing mm-hmm. uh, playing Ariel, and and in fact I was. But I have to say, this is actually my favorite one of out of all the remakes. Like, really, I actually really like The Little Mermaid, and the biggest reason that I liked it is because there's actually a take. Like, it, it is actually there's a this movie, in my opinion justifies itself as being a remake because it actually adds substantially to the original story um, in ways that are not always successful, but are at least at the very least interesting. So I'm going to start off by saying I thought Halle Bailey was amazing. She's like worth seeing this movie for her alone. Um, But overall, I actually thought this was not terrible. And, uh, and therefore if you're looking for a decent remake of the little mermaid, I actually think you're well served by going to see this in theaters. Devinder Hardwar, I'm curious. Wait, what did you wait, think wait, of the movie? Yeah. Before you go, what? How would you describe the take? Um, specifically, <laughs> if you watch The Little Mermaid, and you thought to yourself, "I really wish I knew more of Prince Eric's backstory," <laughs> then you will get. Uh, you, you know, you will be richly rewarded when you watch the little. That's the take. That's the well, take. Yeah, but what is the take? Yeah. I think that I think that there are, there are a bunch of little meaning, like little changes that, when added up, are like mm-hmm. somewhat meaningful. So Prince Eric, like he he gets a lot more screen time and a lot more backstory in this movie. Um, but also like his his goals are m- made much more clear. Like there's this kind of fairly anodyne, you know. Um, generic idea of like I want to uh, I want our people this country to explore more to be out there to be open minded to, to people um, that's like not really nearly as present or well developed in uh, the original movie and obviously um, in terms of representation you know this movie is much more progressive uh, you see mermaids of all different kinds in this movie and indeed you know, so, that, uh, so I, I actually like, talk about those differences or you know no, yeah no. anything <laughs> really. so yeah uh, and some of the lyrics have been changed as well mm-hmm. which I, I can get into in a bit but yeah so like together all these things kind of make it like give it a little bit more of a progressive message jeff i would say uh it's not like the most amazing take i'm not like you know 
wow, what, what a revolutionary way to take the story. It's just kind of like, okay, this is like evolved enough that it's not just like, uh, uh, you know, mindlessly repeating all the stuff that happened in, in the animated film. That's, did I answer your question? No. Okay. <laughs> Fair. I think, I think, we'll get to what I thought, but I yeah, think yeah. that, that the use it, defining that as a take is a bit generous, but, but yeah, that's, that's your, your, your purview to do. That's completely fair. You know, um, uh, I mean, right from the opening scene when Eric is like, in, I'm like, wow, this is all, this is all, this is new. This is fresh. <laughs> right. the man swinging on a rope. Man swinging on a rope on a Disney uh, adventure, in, you know, on a ship. Yeah. Like, Wait, what is that? this? Pirates of the Caribbean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, okay. I already can sense how this review is going to go. Devendra <laughs> Hardwar, what did you think of The Little Mermaid? I mean, I'm going to say up front, we are not the core market for this movie Correct. or for Correct. this remake. So, you know, I'll put this out there. I think for my daughter, just saw the original Little Mermaid. She loves it. And she wants to see more. And she wants to see that follow-up sequel, which I actually never saw. But all the 90s, like Disney stuff, I watched obsessively as a kid. So that, it is a part of my life, too. Um, I think kids... Um, will enjoy this movie. You know, I think it's perfectly serviceable, except for the fact that it is way too long. It is 45 minutes longer than the original. It has no it is so justification much, for It me. is so much longer so than long. the original. <laughs> I, I was just like, all I that was Eric, that's, that's where all the yeah. Eric stuff went. All the it's Eric like, stuff. Yeah. It, he's not, like, the actor is not really giving us much there. Like, sure, we get more backstory, but I could care less about him because he there he's giving me nothing. But this movie, like you said, Dave, like Holly Bailey, yeah, it's fantastic. Like there, there's a Amazing. moment when she's singing part of your world, right? Where just kind of like the sound design shifts for her, or maybe she, that's just her voice. I don't know. But there's a point where my theater just like erupted with her Aww. vocal range and it just like, it kind of blew me away and she's fantastic. And she, she gives I, I, a lot I, of great energy here. Yeah. I got chills, chills, Listen, chills yeah. watching Halle Bailey sing, uh, uh, part of this world. And it's like, not many movies can give me chills. Like, so yeah. it's just like, even, even if it did, if it did that, that's already like better yep. than, you know, most movies. Right. But so, that is one aspect of a two hour and 15 minute long movie. <laughs> so it is a two and a half is, minute song in a yeah. two so and a half hour long. What movie. we also kids. get is, um, is David Diggs. <laughs> Sebastian and I'm like I don't I don't know what's going on here you were you know uh what was he he, he was in Hamilton like playing what was he Lafayette right like he was playing high energy roles what did they do to Sebastian just like just, his song I listened to that song pretty much like actually several of his songs every night during bath time no energy no like no, no. Like when, when you said you listened to his song, you're talking about uh, "Under the Sea." Is that what you're talking about? Or talking about "Under the Sea"? I'm talking about "Kiss the Girl." Yeah. Um, bath time. Those are bath time. You, you listen to the original version, yes. not the not the yes. David Diggs yes. versions. Yes. Okay. I listened to the originals, and um, I forget the name of that actor. Actually, I should look that up. But that there was always a sense of like actual energy and presence, and um, I don't know. I feel like David Diggs was doing so much work trying to keep the Caribbean accent going that he could not devote that energy to the song. So not great. Um, I have issues with um, the way all the animals look is just kind of freakish. Just flounder again. What did they do to my boy? He just, he looks like he's supposed to be colorful, but he's like a sickly, sickly pale vomit yellow. I don't know what's going on there. I I also find all the, most of the sea creatures grotesque. Freakish. Um, And and my favorite bit is, 
when Ariel is above ground and Flounder uh-huh. is just trying to talk to her, he's like constantly like kind of bobbing up and up and bobbing down. We're like flapping <laughs> while he's like. There's one sequence where he like goes yeah. into the ship. Yeah. And, and Sebastian's like, you are literally going to die in this conversation, you this insane person. It's Samuel Samuel E. Wright played the original Sebastian. Samuel E. Wright. I- iconic, um, iconic love his uh, voice. performance. Yeah. Love his voice. Um, yeah, the animals don't work. Um, there is a new song here, which I... I Okay, it was there, something there, different. There's a couple new songs. Okay. And I will oh, say... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will say uh, one of them was pretty great. Uh, and there's actually like a like part of this part of this world scuttlebutt. reprise, and then there's Scuttlebutt, which is like Scuttlebutt is like, hey, we also heard Hamilton. I mean, Lin Lin Manuel Miranda worked. like wrote wrote the music. Yep, so. yeah, you, you, right. you, you can oh, certainly tell. We we meaning the filmmakers or something. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I think this movie looks ghastly, like just <laughs> awful at the beginning too. And this is a lot of the people are getting a lot of complaints or complaining about the early footage and the trailers because like there's no color to the underwater stuff. There's it's just all like very modern lighting and everything. And I was worried the entire movie was going to be like that. It's not, they do add some color later on. There's a scene like in a town full of color. Oh my God. I thought this movie was afraid of color, but no, once you get under the sea, no color, like nothing really going on. Yeah. So I think that's actually like kind of intentional, right? I'm sure. But, but you're right that in the, animated film under the sea and like above yes. the, the ground they look the same in the movie under the sea looks really dark and crappy I, I, i'm and sure that's more realistic i yes. also <laughs> don't give a shit give me the color i want i want to see my animals i want to see all the colors of under the sea um here's, here's yeah. what i'm gonna say dude i'm gonna just defend this one and sure, then i will not sure. bring this up again is uh, the clips of this movie being posted online have been completely roasted because they look so terrible. I will say it looks better on a movie screen I than I on a computer screen because the, 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 because the, you, the computer screen on the computer sure, screen looks sure, so sure. dark, but sure. in your, in a movie screen, it's the brightest thing in the room. Assuming you get good projection or everything, but even then, As, like yeah. the the iconic like Little Mermaid moment with Ariel on the rock, like in the waves behind her, looks like garbage. It looks Not like. Great. Not it's great. not great compared to like the lush color that yes. lives in our memories that Absolutely. we've watched a thousand times from the '90s. So I think this movie looks awful. I think most of the uh, the other cast, like Prince Eric, uh, okay, he has more stuff to do, except the guy is is just like a nothing, a big nothing burger. <laughs> and it's really all Holly Bailey like, like trying to like give some energy to that relationship. It's too long. I, I, I guess I liked Javier Bardem. He's kind of fun and regal, but even then, like they didn't really do much with him, which is the thing. So Holly Bailey's great. Isn't she great? She's so great. I feel like I will enjoy the <laughs> watching the music videos to this thing, but I I never want to see this movie again. Jeff Kanata, so curious what you thought of The Little Mermaid. Well, Dave, I guess you could say what I thought of The Little Mermaid 2023 is best summed up in the form of a limerick. The visual effects are strong, but the movie feels much too long. Even under the sea, it will always be just an overpriced cover song. Ooh. Okay. 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 It's hard to review these, man. I yeah. feel like mm-hmm. in a certain respect, I could review this movie without seeing it. Because exactly sure. what I expected is what it was. And I will say it is a lavish, at times dazzling, at times fun, entirely disposable product. Mm-hmm that doesn't exist but for the fact that it's a cover of something else. Mm-hmm. 
and I've said this before, I think when we reviewed these other ones, these this does not happen. This movie doesn't have it, any autonomy. It doesn't exist independent of its predecessor. I kept thinking like, you know, I'll go to a play and see somebody else do Hamlet. Right. right. I'll go see a, a new, the, a David Mamet play I've seen 50 times. I'll go see American Buffalo and just see how the new actors handle it. I, I love that experience. I'll, we watched uh, West Side Story and we're like, how is Steven Spielberg going to do West Side Story? Right. right. Great experience. Great experience. Yes. That's not the experience of these movies for me. Even though, as I, I will agree with you guys and heap praise on Holly Bailey, who is fantastic, and her covers of these songs have a spirit and an identity that are hers. And, and I love that for them. Like, I, I love them for that. Excuse me. Um, because I think she does a, a beautiful job with them. And I think, you know, seeing her rendition of it is interesting. But the movie itself, there is, there is no universe where somebody setting out to make this movie for the first time without having ever made the animated version would make this. Mm. It, it wouldn't happen. You would not have photorealistic animals talking in this movie because it makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> it, it doesn't, there's no explanation for that. Like I wanted... There to be a scene at the end where Ariel's like, we are going to meld our peoples and you will learn about mer merfolk and, and surface mm -hmm. folk and we will move forward. Also, there's talking animals. You should be aware of that too. You know? All animals actually talk, yeah. But, yeah. but even weirder than that, I think in the context of this movie, the animals don't talk because there's one moment, there's one moment. Mm. I know what you're talking where about. Yes, yeah. where the bird scuttle is talk is talking away, and the the one second of the movie yeah. cuts to her just going quack 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 quack, and I was like, "What <laughs> is the yeah. movie communicating to me? The fact that only Ariel hears yes. them talking. I, th I think and it's like, mer people can speak only mer people yeah. can understand the animals. That was yes. my yes. interpretation of that. Yeah, right. That's bonkers." <laughs> That makes it weirder, right? Yeah. Why, why does it make it weirder, Jeff? Because now... <laughs> they're basically <laughs> part animal, is the thing. Yeah, so. they're, they're part animal. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. So yeah. all animals can talk it's to each simple. other. It's very and, simple, Jeff. Yeah. And sing. Yeah. And so yeah. all yeah. the time when he's like, la, 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 kiss the girl. There's no community. He's literally like... No. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's why yeah. Prince Eric like did not get the message throughout yeah, the entire yeah, yeah, yeah. song. Everyone yeah, shouted, "Kiss the girl!" I, I don't know. Spoiler alert, noises. Jeff. He did yeah. not successfully he kiss, did not the kiss the girl in the scene. Yeah. He tried so. a bunch of times. Yeah. <laughs> it, dude, none of it. it, it, it that mo I, this movie wouldn't be made like this. I agree. I agree. If it was a live action adaptation of the Hans Christian Andersen tale. Mm -hmm. Sea animals are some of the least. Facially expressive creatures in the world. Yes. I can't. They, so, they made a realistic crab, and those things look freakish. It I makes wish, no sense to make those no sense. No sense. And yeah. I wish they had the gut. I mean, obviously, yeah. see, what they're doing is creating a fan service movie to a, a better movie, mm -hmm. which it, it makes no sense to me. Other than like they make shit tons of money, so yeah. I guess that Dude, makes you want to make a billion dollars, Jeff. But I, I think they want to make a billion dollars. But, but so. the yeah. bold take on this would have been literally figure out ways to do mm -hmm. it without any talking animals. 
Like mm-hmm. literally yeah. make the story about a mermaid and a, a, a man falling in love and figure out ways to do it without talking anthropomorphized sea creatures. Like that would have been cool. That would have been, a, that would have been a take. Yeah. That, that wouldn't have been Disney though. Is the thing. I like, see. All, all they want to do is like rebuild their things. I feel the same way about this movie as I kind of feel about the, the Mario movie. Um, or I like mm. the Mario movie more, but this is completely safe in all the ways you exactly expect from a Disney movie, even with like, okay, it's, it's amazing to have a black, uh, you know, Ariel. It's amazing to see more people of color. This movie does not engage with any of those ideas at all. Like I, Prince Eric's adopted mother is also black. We're not talking about it. There, there's an there. Asian boy. There was an yeah. Asian boy mermaid. Yes. At the end. Which yeah. Made me kind of lose my mind. Cause I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen an Asian <laughs> mermaid but, before. I mean, I think, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm from an era where like, that's, Cool. That's cool. Like that, you don't that have to era, talk about it. It's that just, era did it's normal. Well, it's normal. It's a I, normal I, 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 thing. I it's know. normal to have things that look, you know, people that are all multicultural just be part of the story. That if if you can normalize it in a certain way, but I also feel like it is to me, it reads as doing the least amount of effort possible. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what happens too is like Holly Bailey was basically left out to dry because people have just been attacking her because she's Ariel. If you go look at um, if you go look at the IMD ratings of this movie, people have been downvoting this movie to hell because they didn't want to see a black Ariel. And like this movie well, doesn't awful, actually, obviously. yeah, it sucks. But I do feel like these companies tend to trot out these characters like this and be like, hey, diversity. Look at this scene at the end. Yeah. Diversity. I, and I, I, I do think, I don't I mean, think, I think the communication is to children. Like, yeah. look, this is the world, the, how the world yeah. looks. Yes, and true, this is, true. It, everything is, there's, there's no reason to point at it because mm-hmm. why would we point at it? This is there's, just a, there's a lot of great writing from um, writers I enjoy, like Candace Frederick. I believe she's at Huffington Post and Angelica uh, Jade Bastion. Like she, they all point out like, just like it, this doesn't, this doesn't seem like it's enough. I do want to live in the world where you don't have to talk about it. It can be just so it can be accepted, but also they don't even talk about the accepting of that fact. Like that's, that's my main. Yeah. Thing. Well, because movies like this basically take place in a post-racial world. Right. Like ra- right. race is not commented on explicitly at any point in this, mm-hmm. uh, in this movie to the, to the extent that it is the metaphor uh, is that, you know, like uh, people like someone of a different species is like, you know, there's something bold to the idea that he's like, maybe you shouldn't sh- hate other people. Yeah. Maybe you should hate other people that look different. You know, that's the, that's the yeah. full existence. But that, but that is I, the ultimate but, of the take. And I'm like, yes, thank you. Disney. But it's thank not, you. but it's yeah. kind of like, it, it's, it's fairly toothless uh, yeah. in my opinion, as a take, uh, as a, as a message, um, in, in my opinion, because they, they do so mm-hmm. little to comment on it. Also like, uh, it's it's noted in the story that Eric is adopted mm-hmm. and um, he has a uh, black mom and that's that's never like commented on. It's just yeah. kind His of like caretaker is an older Indian man who I think he he's the prime minister, but he's he in a relationship with the mom. I'm very confused about that, but I don't think right. so. Are they just working they, together? Well, they kind yeah. of like at the end they kind of got yeah. together a little bit. They kind of got together. I don't know. But I was like I was like yeah I was thinking but there's like, no boner. Oh. That's one thing that they changed from the first from the first movie. The little boner that happens. I remember watching that many, many times. Oh. The little boner that happens at the end. I oh, do not no. remember this. What? But okay. I you don't guys don't know this. about the boner? No. Oh, there's so many penises in The Little Mermaid? Mm. Guys, I wouldn't be so surprised. many penises. I would not be surprised. I, I was thinking about how, like, th- this idea of uh, uh, Eric and Ariel getting together at the end uh, in, in some ways mirrors, like, kind of what happened in the real world. 
excuse me, what happened in the real world with um, uh, Meghan Markle and mm-hmm. uh, Prince Harry. But like the, the obviously big difference, and she experienced like a lot of like racism uh, coming into this long entrenched institution. Um, but obviously the big difference is in this movie, um, Eric's mom is black and part of the power structure. Mm-hmm. So it's just, mm-hmm. I just don't think the movie really comments on it at all. Uh, and, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages of that approach, right? Advantages and disadvantages of the post-racial approach to these kinds yeah, there's of There's a lot of things you don't talk about. Like, oh, this is this is a movie with like a royal kingdom in the Caribbean, I guess, mm-hmm. like yeah. with, with it, a black it, leader. It, except unnamed Caribbean islands. Unnamed Caribbean right? yeah. Except the yeah. entire history of the Caribbean is one that is like, a, it exists because of slavery and yeah. because of like all the colonial power structures too. So it's exactly, just, yeah, it's better if we well, don't I talk don't, about that. Yeah. It's better if we don't talk about exactly. that. So they just have a fantasy. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, th- yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I yeah. don't think this is a part of earth, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, the, well, the thing that, uh, you know, the, the part, yes, it's, you're right. It's not a part of earth. It's kind of this fantasy world, but the thing that really, mm-hmm. uh, kind of felt weird to me was when, uh, Ariel transforms back into a mermaid at the wedding. Mm-hmm. And that was like a legitimately awesome scene. I thought like, because it's heartbreaking that the, the kiss doesn't happen, but then also uh, the woman who plays like different Ursula, she just starts like screaming. maniacally. Yeah. It, she turns like, into a horror movie. It's, it's like yeah. a horror yeah. movie. And I was yeah. like, Holy shit, this is frightening. Yep. There's um, a lot of the movie that's frightening in my opinion. I yeah, thought yeah. a lot of it is very intense. For Kaiju Ursula. Yeah, Kaiju right. Ursula. We even talked about Melissa McCarthy, who I thought was great. I thought she's awesome. Awesome. So yeah. great. Like really she's kind great, of really great. She's yeah. kind of channeling Bette Midler a bit and in an awesome way. And I, I don't know. I just I thought every time she was on screen, I was like, oh, she's having a blast. The way they animated her was awesome. I thought it was really cool. She had a good look and like good comedic timing, but I feel like the songs again didn't quite live up to what we had. Like you can't. You can't give me something less because then it does just feel like a cover. You know, all the songs felt like covers except for what Holly Bailey was doing, like felt like she was doing more. Yeah. Um, well, on the topic of the songs, there have mm-hmm. been some significant changes to the songs. Um, and I just think it's hard to have a progressive movie where the protagonist doesn't speak for half the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like the protagonist is a woman yeah. that doesn't speak for half That's the movie. That's always been the the hard part about watching right. the little movie. Um, yeah. But the original Kiss the Girl song is a little bit rapey. Um, the lyrics go, it don't take a word, not a single word, go on and kiss the girl. That's mm-hmm. the original mm-hmm. lyrics. Um, but they, uh, they wanted to change it so that uh, it's it not. It takes a lot of words and it, maybe a contract, kiss the girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you know, I, I take the idea of consent extremely seriously, and so like, I think that uh, I'm glad I'm glad that they do it. But it's also just weird because she can't speak during the whole time. So it's, you know, I'm not saying the changes mm-hmm. are not better, but it's just it's just odd. Because I, I think it's, the it's way Ariel acts in this movie is more like self possessed. Like she mm-hmm. knows what she wants. She is doing things like I like that the horse carriage ride where she's just like, oh, I want to have fun. I want to do this. And she's like going on adventure and being a little reckless and stuff. But she has more of a personality than cartoon yeah. Ariel did, I think, and more of an idea of what she wants. It's not just about her pining after a guy. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the, by the way, the, the new words are "use your words, boy, and ask her." That's what that's what it says in the new song. So it fit in really um, nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, there there were some great scenes of Ariel. Like um, I think in this movie versus the animated film, it's a lot more about Ariel being into the human world as opposed to just loves this this dude, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And I actually really love that scene where she 
goes into like Eric's room and there's all this shit everywhere. And she's like looking at it. And like when she starts like spinning the globe, like this wonder in this character's face, um, I thought it was really special. She, she I, doesn't I, really love him. She's just with him for all the human stuff, you know, yeah. all the trinkets. Yeah. I, I like this movie. Like I was, sh- cause I, I saw all the clips online and they looked awful. And I was just like, I, I dislike every single one of these uh, remakes, but I actually was like surprised that I was like, Oh, there's actually some really nice moments. The, the other thing I want to shout out is they add kind of these reprise moments to mm-hmm. Ariel at the end, like where she sings like kind of like, chunks of the part of your world song like later on in the movie i don't recall that being in the animated film but there's this moment when she's like you know talking about what she gave up to like be part of this world that like rejected her that it was like legitimately heartbreaking so there's just a lot of like great moments in this movie that i liked i'm not saying it's awesome i i think i am very sympathetic to everything you're saying jeff about it's just a cover version and like it feels in some way soulless but I mean, I, I honestly, I agree with you a lot in that I think it's my favorite of these. Really? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And a, a lot of that is is Holly Bailey and just yeah. like how much fun it is to watch a yeah. human person knock these songs out of the park and like, yes. you know, and, and, and I think the visual effects, I was just marveling at um, the fact that we can make these, this, we can make Little mm-hmm. Mermaid with photorealism the the mermaids look good like i actually think like they they got first of all like the hair everyone has like in my opinion very photorealistic looking hair Mm -hmm. um that like floats in water and i'm sure it took like hundreds of hours of animation to get all the hair right the mermaids move in a realistic fashion through the water i'm like oh this is like uh, it's really amazing i couldn't help though but compare this to avatar the way of water Mm -hmm. and where I'm never in doubt that those creatures are actually underwater right. at any point right. in Avatar. Yeah. And I think that's a, a testament to uh, Cameron being like, we're going to replace you digitally completely, but we're also going to really be going underwater to do this, you know? And I didn't believe at any point that anybody oh, yeah. was underwater. In well, this yeah, movie. Because they're, yeah, because they're talking, you know? Like, sure. And it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense that they could talk. Also, like, Scuttle, the bird, flies underwater and is talking for, like, 10 minutes. Yeah. And then at the end of that conversation, she's like, well, I got to go get some air now. Got to get like, some air. Yeah. yeah. I guess that explains everything, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but it, it, the, the yeah. bigger, I think the bigger issue, it, it, you know, having said that I think this is the best of these, you know, yeah. photorealistic remakes, there is no universe where I feel like, hey, let's watch The Little Mermaid and we're going to pick this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? You, you will watch mm-hmm. the Holly Bailey music videos. Yeah. And then, yeah, then on, watch On YouTube, movie. you will watch yeah. like her perform the songs on YouTube. Yeah. Like that's a great, you know, thing to do. But but yeah, I, I would agree that... Um, uh, yeah, that you're not you're not using you're not using this one like when you're showing your children the Little Mermaid, you're going to show them the animation. Also, film. when you're a parent, you're like, I want the ninety minute movie. I want the <laughs> I want to be in and out. Yeah. Okay, not the two plus hours. So crazy. Epic. It, it does mean, nothing to justify that length either. Oh my god. I am very glad I I was planning to take my kids to see this and it didn't work out and I had to go by myself and I was sitting next to a woman who brought two kids very young and they left twice yeah. and came I, back. We we had I had a some uh, a family in my theater like leave halfway through the movie because it's just it's so they left and came back twice for bathroom stuff yeah bathroom go with the kids you know uh a couple of other changes i want to point out that happened first of all i don't know if you guys recall but there was a french chef in the original little mermaid that killed sea animals (laughs) just like chopped up a bunch of sea animals they just completely eliminated that character from oh my gosh entirely i totally forgot this moment that I, I couldn't believe they put in the movie. Yeah. So we, ha- we we start in the movie. 
Ariel hanging out with Sebastian. Sebastian's like, you're swimming too fast. No, 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 no. And then we're introduced to Scuttle by Scuttle coming down yeah, and I, grabbing a fish and okay. then going, uh, sorry guys, I needed a snack. And I was like, <laughs> that is the most horrific. Like we just fell in love with little Sebastian and you just, mur- just ate his friend. <laughs> There's it's always, the craziest thing. There's always this weird, we talked about this, what was the other movie recently that had talking animals, but there's always this weird cast system uh-huh. in these movies yeah. where there's animals that can talk. Right. And animal, oh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's what it was. Sure. Uh, where there's animals that can talk and animals that can't. And the ones that can't, they are not worthy of our consideration and love. So <laughs> in this case, they're food. Scuttle, yeah. Scuttlesfoot or the shark. Or that shark that attacked Ariel. Can't right. be reasoned with that person. That shark right. can't be reasoned well, I mean, with. I, so I would like, buy that sharks are like a vicious animal in this context. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're just mean and 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 predatory. Mm-hmm. But the fish was was literally like we just were hanging out with. I mean, it's in front yeah. of Sebastian. Just an innocent fish. Scuttled, it would be like a scene <laughs> where like your friend comes in and just shoots another human being yeah, in front yeah. of you and be like, sorry. Yeah. Oh, hey, what's up? Eating you know? him. Starts <laughs> eating their entrails. Yeah. All, all the stuff is really with, with animals is really <laughs> upsetting in this, you know, like uh, you pointed out the scene where Flounder is on the thing and he's still talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Flounder's on the boat. At one yeah. point, Flounder gets onto a ship and he's still talking and it's like, and he, but he's like doing the flappy up and down motion. It's like, Flounder, are dying. you, are he's you dying. freaking choking for air? Right? <laughs> yeah. Are you choking? And Sebastian says, we got to get you back in the water. And yeah, it's like, yeah. gonna, but Flounder, Flounder doesn't even seem <laughs> like he understands anything is wrong. <laughs> he, he's like, what is going on? Here? Yeah. What is going on here? Um, okay. A couple of other changes I want to point out. Uh, I actually like the scene where Ariel goes into the the market and like it's a great scene. Just behaves completely like yeah. erratically, Eats the like flower eating and, the flower yeah. and doing doing all this weird ass yeah. stuff. Like that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, the amnesia was a new thing. I thought there was like such a half baked um, element of the of the plot. Was like you can't remember it, that you need to kiss him. Yeah, yeah. in the sh- in the movie, it, she has amnesia, but that's not true in the animated film. I, I think I that that kind of fills a plot hole because otherwise, right, she why would does know. she just go yeah. up and kiss him? Oh, you know, do but, it. Well, I yeah. thought that's but, just it has to be from true love. You can't just yeah. smack yeah, somebody yeah. on the lips. You yeah, know? exactly. So it's just like, but they, they almost like half heartedly introduced it. They're like, yeah. oh, I guess you don't remember me. It's like what? Like why are you introducing this plot thread at this point? Uh, so that was a little bit weird. And then of course, Devinder, as you point out. It's Kaiju Melissa McCarthy at the end. But uh, Melissa McCarthy is an octopus, whereas I think in the original, she is more of like a squid-esque creature. Sure. Um, Octopuses are scarier. I thought that was not great. I just the, have to say, ki- the kaiju part it looked cool. I, I thought it was I think incredible. Cool. Okay, yeah. I didn't think it, that was. I didn't think it looked good. Like I thought Melissa oh, McCarthy wow. looked amazing throughout the whole movie because it, it blended her mm-hmm. octopus body with the uh, the rest of her really well. And then by the end, the time they get to the end, it's like, oh, this is just gigantic CG thing. That was. I kind couldn't of my, believe how good it. I thought it. it I just was blown good. away by how. Yeah. I've never okay. seen a giant actor feel like they were actually giant before mm-hmm. it was really amazing i thought it, it felt like again a scene from pirates of the caribbean or something like something you would expect from those movies and actually they think there was there were a few of those scenes um by the way flounder played by jacob tremblay i'm really gonna miss it when jacob tremblay does not sound like a child anymore, <laughs> because like he, he is running out of that time like is there a hilly joel osmond situation going on where we see jacob tremblay in 10 years like uh what happened to i remember when you were a kid you were adorable yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought he, he sounded good. I just wish Flounder didn't look so freakish, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and I, I a feel little like freak. I feel yeah. like Sebastian and Flounder got less to do in this. Like I, I didn't go back and like do a scene by scene comparison, but I just felt like they didn't have much to do mm-hmm. in this movie. And um, and, and I almost feel like one out of those three characters is probably unnecessary between mm-hmm. Scuttle and hundred oh, percent and Flounder. And, yeah. I, I think there should be a rule. I mean, I love Aquafina. I think she's delight, <laughs> a delight. Very funny. You need but there needs aqu- to be a rule. limiter. Yeah. You can only be one iconic animated character. You get to pick. Yeah. yeah. But if you're one iconic animated character and you have a very distinct voice, if you're doing a voice, okay, fine. Do a different voice. But if it's just your iconic voice, mm-hmm. you got to pick. You can't be. What's what's the other one that she was? Uh, the dragon one. Right. The last right, dragon. The last dragon. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Got it. Which was, she was, she's great in both of them, but it's like, mm-hmm. you can't, that's not fair. Can't do She's that. everywhere. Aquafina is everywhere. Yeah. Only other thing I want to mention is Raya, the last dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, only other thing I want to mention is uh, King Triton gets a little bit more backstory. We find out that humans killed his wife. Uh, that was apparently part of canon, but not in the original movie. And, and also a weird detail to throw in that makes things things way more complicated, but nobody deals with. Oh, mm-hmm. they, they, they don't address it at all. But here's the thing. Everything King Triton says is true in this movie. <laughs> Humans are dangerous. They don't give a crap about the ocean. They're going to pollute it and destroy yeah. it. And it's like, hey, that's actually a- absolutely correct. Yes. Um, hashtag King Triton did nothing wrong. You know, like, I think he is <laughs> also one of the more sympathetic characters in the film. His death is pretty horrific for little kids. Like, he he gets straight up killed. And then they bring him back. But it's like, yeah, yeah. that is a pretty rough yeah, looking he's death. Like, he's yeah. like, starts like wasting away like almost. Desiccated, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. 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 So anyway, it sounds like uh, this Jeff is this is one of your favorite ones. Davindra doesn't sound. It sounds like you like like Jungle Book at least more than this one. I like Jungle Book more. Yeah. Um, but Halle Bailey, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, she's great. So I, I am as surprised as you guys. I, I I went into this movie expecting I would like take a bat to this movie and not think it was anything worthwhile. But it's like, hey, they tried. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> what they, what, what they does did, they do though? They did some what? stuff. They, Once they, they are stuff. done remaking all the iconic '90s stuff, like what do they do? Come up with something new? They're gonna go back into what the kind of, you know, They're gonna find the equi- the Disney animated equivalent of the Eternals, you know, and like <laughs> no. put that out there. Yeah, or, they're gonna know. do uh, Emperor's New Groove live action. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that movie deserves a record. There already is a Lilo and Stitch kind of yes. in, in the yeah. works, and so yep. yeah, so there's a lot of. Uh, That's I, true. That I is think, happening. I, I think we're not gonna run out for a while. Is is my sense, Devendra? No, it's um, pretty. We're getting there, though. Like, what what is, what is left um, from the nineties? They did Aladdin. They did Lion King. There's got to be uh, the Aristocats. They did Beauty and the Beast. The Aristocats. You know, that's much older. Yeah, that is much older. But, but you know, uh, I'm talking we, peak nineties era Disney. We're running yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. It's They're going to make their billions, and it's going to be what, uh, like Harry Potter turning into a super long series at some point for something. One of these stories, I don't know. They don't own Harry Potter. Um, no, I'm saying like bringing back Harry Potter now as a super see, long HBO oh, series. It will be the equivalent of that. This is going to be a like Little Mermaid a, like TV show on Disney Plus, perhaps. Something. We'll see. Yeah. But um, anyway, well, at the end of the day, despite everything that some of us may have said, it's really impressive that Rob Marshall made a movie. All right, folks. Uh, 
That's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the podcast. You can find more episodes at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast.gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Check out his new band, Varsity Blue. Our spoiler bumper and weekend, weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Video editing and assistance provided by John Barry and Kurt Mega. Next week on the podcast, it's going to be Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, really looking forward to this one. Some of the reviews have been really positive. Uh, we should have a fun guest for that one as well. So look forward to that, folks. Hope you have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to the Filmcast. And until next time, we'll see you later. Goodbye. <laughs>